It seems someone in this room is a murderer! <gasps> it's me. But the real question is, which of you is the victim? And that secret I shall take to my grave. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through the Comedy Central reboot of one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 4, The Thief of Baghead. Ben, have you been keeping up with the Ultimate Acting League? The championships are coming. You know I'm not into sports. But it's acting as well. I mean... I just, you know, I, I'm a fair weather fan at best. You know, my my guy gets into the championships and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm into this. I, I can do this. And I watch a couple of bouts and then yeah. my guy inevitably loses. Sure. And, then I'm, and then I forget it exists. Yeah. And it's it's unfair he, that your guy didn't make it this year. Remind me of who it is. James Franco. Yep. Ben's, Ben's guy, James Franco, did not make the finals this year, unfortunately. Um, I'm really, I'm really sorry to, 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 <laughs> to, uh, to have to break that to you on air that he didn't make the it. The problem. But. Okay. Okay. Time out on this bit for a moment. Okay. The, the, problem, g- the bit was going well. I thought <laughs> I but, like, we're adding new levels of disastrous when we have to time out out of a bit. The problem with me going with James Franco was I was trying to think of somebody who I don't really like as an actor and thus assume will always fail. And then I was like. The moment I said that, I'm like, no, wait, but that means that I'm actively rooting for James Franco, <laughs> which, for the record, I am not. But, you know, that's fine. I just want to throw that out there. Are we going to do- jump into the bit with you have picking a different person? No, no, no. I got to stick with uh, in improv. You got to stick with what you picked. There's no I- there's no going back. It's not yes and hold on a minute. Let's go back and retract that. It's yes and. However, uh, but, I but, need but you did the I improv need, timeout. I need it on the record that I don't cheer for James Franco. Okay, time out over. We're back in the bit. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like a lot of people just really are into James Franco. And, you know, you think he, he maybe maybe one of these years he'll make it into maybe. That, the finals and just really just pull something out last minute in, yeah, the, uh, in the finals. Um, but you know, he never gets past round one in the playoffs, even when he gets in the playoffs. That's true. So, you know, really I should probably choose a better, a better mm-hmm. actor to back in these, in yeah. these things. I, I'm really surprised that my favorite, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson was upset right before the finals by, uh, Willem Dafoe. Okay. Time out again. <laughs> Those are both really good choices that I very clearly should have thought of instead of going with James Franco. Okay. Time over uh, is done. Yeah, no, those are good picks. Um, yeah, I, I, you know? so so it's it's definitely Willem Dafoe, and he's taking on Orlando Bloom. It's weird. I don't know how he made it into the finals this year, but it's a it's a huge it's a huge deal for mm-hmm. those uh, Bloomheads. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just it's one of those times when uh, you're just like, you know, how much how much am I even in in my uh, my actor for uh, for the win? Because like you know, you grow up and like you grow up in a James Franco household. Sure. Everyone's cheering for James Franco. 
you know, and you're just year after year, you're like, he's just not going to do it this year. Yeah. You know, but The Rock, he's got prospects. It's true. I, I, I didn't grow up in a Rock household. I, ha- I, my family was split, and I was just like, I, I need somebody my own, my own pace. And I was like, I want to cheer for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And then this year, Willem Dafoe comes out of nowhere. It's, okay. it's crazy. Who, who did, who did your family like? Well, my family liked uh, John Travolta. Okay, that, and, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Sylvester Stallone. Okay, going with a couple of classic old yeah. dudes. But Got you know, it, it mm-hmm. was just not my. It just I couldn't. I couldn't go with that. So they're great. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't mind them. You wanted a younger, hipper franchise. Exactly. I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, and certainly, as you look at how I pick sports teams, that is legitimately how I do that. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, I was shocked when when they couldn't when when Dwayne couldn't br- take it to the finals, but. Even then, I'm still going to watch those finals. They're going to be great. Think about the commercials. Nah, my guy's out. I'm not going to watch. Okay, fair enough. Again, well, like I said, James Franco just gets out, and then I'm just like, nah. Not I'm even not- for, for you know, like our usual acting uh, uh, championship uh, uh, watch party where we have all sorts of avocado toasts and... You know, if they can if they can take it to, to uh, Monologue 7, like, I'm in it for that. Okay. A good seventh monologue is where it's at it it all comes down to that the monologue that you win or take all yeah i'll watch that but you know monologue one two you know it's not that exciting bring it down to that wire i'm all about that i see you 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 know the opening monologues are important yeah that's how they get to the the end of uh into the series of monologues but you know you know there's a little bit of feeling out like how how is this person gonna do this monologue or whatever so yeah no i totally get it Mm -hmm. so yeah no i haven't I haven't been following since uh, my, the fateful un- my day. unfortunate pick, James Franco, uh, got knocked out of the the uh, playoffs. So, you know, the act-offs, if you will. Aha! Um, no, the Portmanteau championships are later. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh... <laughs> yep, we've... we've Time out. We've done the bit as best we could, and we succeeded. We did our best. Um, let's Time talk back about, into Futurama. Let's talk about The Thief of Baghead. It starts out with an All My Circuits episode. Calculon has asked everyone to hang glide to this <laughs> uh, mansion. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a wonderful little line because he's like, they're all sitting in a parlor, mm-hmm. but they had to hang glide here. And uh, he announces that one of the robots in this room is a murderer, and that's him. But the question is, who is he going to murder? I will take that secret to my grave and kills himself with a retractable blade. So once again, I would just like to point out that I would totally watch uh, the real All My Circuits. Yeah. Because it's the kind of thing that you would start watching and just be like, this is bad, but I can't stop watching. Right. It. It's it's good, bad. Exactly. Because you can like be like, why why would he take... The, who he's going to murder to his grave when it's so very clearly himself. But I guess that See, makes sense. in a way, he is taking the answer to his grave because the answer is mm-hmm. him and he's taking him sure, to, to the, grave. the grave. But that's It's same a play time, on words. He's being very clever. It's true, Mike. but it's no longer a secret because everybody watches him kill himself in the show. Hmm. Okay, there are levels. <laughs> I think we've gotten the desired level of the Futurama writers of this is awful and hilarious. The Planet Express crew is watching mm-hmm. this and, and Bender is, of course, really impressed. He says that Calculon really shat the hell out of that scene. 
Which is, I, I guess, a compliment. I do love the use of Shatner as a verb. You can verb anything. Ooh, well done. I mean, that comes from Calvin himself, Cal- from Calvin and Hobbes. You can verb anything. Sure, but you, you were the one that knew to pull it out in the right moment. That's what she said. Damn so- it. <laughs> <laughs> After our pre-ramble everything. Um, Unsolicited. I might leave that one in. That was a pretty good one. That was... That was surprisingly good. They're watching this, and Amy comes in, and she's like, hey, why don't we all go to the aquarium? They've got a non-biting otter now. Everyone is excited because they have a non-biting otter. I'm pretty excited, too, because I don't want to get bit by an otter. I mean, if I have to choose between the two, I'm going to go with don't get bitten by an otter. Mm -hmm. But honestly, aquarium's not really my jam. I will say this aquarium seems pretty tight. I mean, I guess. They've got anti-gravity fields to hold all the water uh so that they don't need any glass Mm -hmm. so that kids don't smudge yogurt all over it i mean that's always the number one thing i i always complain about to every aquarium why do you think i don't like aquariums just just so much yogurt tired of seeing all that yogurt i mean i can't see the shark past the yogurt if i wanted to see yogurt i'd go to the 7-eleven and dump a bunch of yogurt on the floor that's how everybody sees yogurt just take this 7-Eleven. So 7-Eleven, don't at us. Fry puts his hand into one of these things of water and immediately gets crabbed, as I wrote in my <laughs> notes. And that was even before this, you can verb anything <laughs> thing I said. See, it's right there. Fry puts his hand in and gets crabbed. I Yep, it sure is. Right before that, Leela's like, Get, uh, Fry, Fry asked Leela if he should he can touch the water and Leela's like I wouldn't but I'm also smart and my favorite thing about that is Fry immediately starts crying out police because what is the police going to do about this crab I mean you got to call the crab police oh uh, see so we're just he's just shortening it to police because clearly it's the crab police that he's calling no he just for. doesn't know that oh because he's an idiot remember so we are the all-knowing audience and we know the crab it's, police it's is dramatic the- irony <laughs> because we know the crab police are real and fry does not uh-huh <laughs> how much of this podcast is dramatic irony of everybody knowing Porto <laughs> and us being unaware um blissfully unaware they go to a an exhibit called jurassic tank such a i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt but it is the funniest sight gag to me in this episode uh it is a very jurassic park sort of reveal they take this curtain off of this exhibit and there's a tyrannosaurus rex (laughs) treading water at the top of the tank like panicked and desperately treading water not trying not to die and it is somehow the funniest thing i've seen in a while it's so good. And so Bender wants to take a picture of everybody in front of this exhibit. And so he pulls out the camera and he's swapping lenses to get mm-hmm. the right one. Including a one minute in the future t- Twilight Zone lens where he sees Calculon. Now I've got a camera and I don't have one of those lenses. I need to get one of those lenses, I think. I think it's kind of expensive, though. Because, I mean, if you had the power to see one minute in the future and you saw... I don't know. The result of a 30-second horse race, and then I'd have 30 seconds to place a bet and exactly. win all the money. Mm-hmm. See? That's how you get the, the money to do it. then the pays for itself. It's true. But that's how you get the money to do it, so it's a paradox. So uh, he does all of this stuff, swaps out lenses, which, you know, again, I've done photography. I've been there, Bender. I get it. 
But then everybody seems to make fun of Bender for using a film camera, especially because his eyes are digital cameras. Mm -hmm. But he points out that, you know, you just don't get that same quality of grain on digital. Um, Not wrong. But yeah, you don't you you do. I mean, there are, you know, hipster photo uh, uh, filters to add all that grain back in. But, you know, he wants to do it the legit way. Yeah, I, I get it. It's just weird to see in the year 3012. Um, and Amy's like, where are you even going to develop that film? There, nobody has a dark room anymore. He, he bangs on his chest and is like, I, this is the only dark room left in existence. And yeah, he opens up and he's got like rolls of, uh, negatives hanging and all the developing chemicals and all that stuff, which I got to say, I took photography in, uh, high, uh, uh, middle school mm-hmm. and I do not miss the smell of those chemicals. They, I uh, I don't like them. <laughs> just for the record. Now we just have the chemicals of your wonderful digital camera. Mm-mm. Trace earth em- uh, metals. Ter- ter- terrific. He uses this one minute into the future lens, uh, and he sees that Calculon will be there. And then sure enough, after about a minute of him fidgeting with all the lenses <laughs> and stuff, Calculon's there. And he's somehow surprised by this. I mean, I don't think Bender took it uh for serious i mean so okay you know how in every like time travel movie or show sure or anything um despite the fact that they witness time travel themselves they're all like none of this makes any sense super weird why is this card a, a 1950s model of car as like you time traveled you idiot <laughs> i feel like every time travel anything has just like some dumbification field where it's just like you are not allowed to understand time travel because so like i love the movie back to the future Mm -hmm. despite its flaws and problems but like the whole first part of him in 1955 he's like everything's so weird why is that i'm like you literally saw a dog travel a minute into the future marty like are you dumb? Like I know it's I know it's an a, an a, a extraordinary circumstance because if I time traveled this more uh, tomorrow morning at one a.m. back to nineteen fifty five, I'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. But also, you you watched a dog do it. You should know. <laughs> you are doing what the dog did, and I will say that there there are uh pieces of media that do time travel slightly better than others where it's not like a immediate dumbification um but name I one putting you on the spot I right mean, here I do, but if i do that i spoil it <laughs> for people that might be not have seen it yet it's they don't become dumb oh, okay. when they go back in time <laughs> they the whole plan is Okay, I'll just bleep that all out, and it'll be fine. <laughs> um. Anyways, so yeah, Bender goes off to take pictures of Calculon, and Calculon is spending his day at the aquarium with his... The uh, actors the, that play his TV family. Uh-huh. Which seems to be some sort of contract-mandated mm-hmm. outing, because he makes a reference to that later, where apparently he just has to appear in public with his fake TV family. I mean, I get it. The contract is, uh, it's ironclad. Calculon says that Bender can just take one quick picture and it's fine. And then Bender's like, no, got to get this one. Yeah. Try a different angle. Try this. Try that. 
It's it's unlike Bender to get an inch and ask for a mile. And so he just keeps bugging Calculon, manages to kill some fish that are highly, highly sensitive to uh, light. Um, like the, to the point where they just instantly become skeletons. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's how that works, but who knows? I'm not a deep, deep sea fish biologist. Uh, and then um, they Calculon thinks that they finally got away, but Bender hides in a fish tank and then gets eaten by an ichthyosaur. I do. I do love that Calculon's like, that's it. I, I'm going to my day off trailer. It's important to have one of those. It, I want one very badly. Back at Planet Express, Zoidberg is consoling Bender by being like, We've all been in the sea monster's stomach, which is, you know, some of the best life advice I've ever heard. I think it's pretty accurate for most of the Futurama crew at this point. Um, I mean, this isn't even the first time Bender's been in the sea monster's <laughs> I know, stomach. Right? I think it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, who among them hasn't been in a sea monster's stomach? Well, didn't they all get eaten when they went... Didn't they all get eaten when they went down to Atlanta? Um, because the uh, the the ship got eaten effectively. No, I or don't. Did they escape the giant? The the fish? the giant fish was on a hook, and right. But on the way back, it went to attack them, didn't it? Mm-hmm. But uh, it got the hook again because that's how Bender gets eaten. He's on the hook, and then it grabs onto the hook, and then Bender gets eaten. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, see, Zoidberg's in there though at one point. Yeah, although see, but, he didn't—he didn't get eaten. He makes a home out of it. That's true. But again, Bender got eaten by a sea monster. So, um, uh, but Zoidberg's looking through all these photos, right? And because Bender is like, these are all garbage. There's no artistic quality to any mm. of these. But Zoidberg's like, no, I think these are great. These are definitely on level, the same level as the photos in my magazine. And he pulls out a copy of Us People magazine. And says, Bender, you should go to their office and sell the pictures. Bender's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then shows up in the office of Larva Levin, uh, managing editor of Us People Weekly, and says, I changed my mind and I'm doing that thing. It goes back to what we were talking about the other week, where it's like they finish their sentence as they get there. Yeah. Um. But in this take, in this case, it's a whole new person. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine you are a, an editor at a magazine, and someone walks in and is like, "I give me my- pictures of Spider Man." Okay, and then, no. <laughs> how often do I get to do that? A hundred percent prompted. That's fair. So imagine that. Um, you say, get me pictures of Spider-Man and then Peter Parker leaves the office and then somebody else walks in and is like, I changed my mind about the whole thing. Right. What do you, what do you do about that? Um, what are you talking about? What my, what were you, what was your mind now? What is it now? What are you, give me pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man. One track mind, one, the track I've got is Spider-Man pictures. Uh, so, uh, yes. Yeah. So Bender changes his mind. He's in Hollywood. He shows, uh, the, the editor, these pictures and, uh, he's like, 
you know, these are actually really, really great. Like, you could really be a paparazzo. And Bender apparently doesn't even know the term. Mm-hmm. And then when the job is explained to him about hiding in dark alleys and gutters and and all this to, to sneak a few pictures of celebrities, Bender's like, I mean, that all sounds great, but how much do I have to pay for that? No, you've misunderstood. We pay you. Uh, and then my note that I wrote just says, Bender gets real horny for the life of a paparazzo. <laughs> His eyes ex- expand and crack the window. Which is amazing. Horny. Wow, I hated it. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's see if that makes it into the final <laughs> cut. That whiskey was good. I'll tell you what. I'll tell, I'll tell, you, tell what. you what. <laughs> I, b- I want to tell you what. Okay, now we're That's just a callback. Making, we're just making our jokes again. Um. Uh. They they have a bit of a staff meeting where where Bender's like. Hi, everybody. I'm better than everyone. and Get out of my way. And uh, yeah, uh, I stopped the episode here to take a few notes on what the board says. Ooh, excellent. I did not have that. So I'm very excited to hear this. Hypnotoad paternity suit. Ooh. Uh, I couldn't. you, You can't see how it finishes because the editor's head is in the way. But it says Morbo's backstage blow. Something. Oh, what is Morbo doing backstage? Who knows? And then there's something about Harold Zoid shocking something, but it's it's cut off. Uh, and then uh, HG Blob Botox disaster. Oh boy, I would buy pictures of that. Now, frankly, I'm surprised HG Blob is big enough to be even considered as a target for Us People magazine. Apparently, I mean, he used to work at the plant, so maybe people that work at the plant are uh, celebrities now? I mean, he had to get a job after he was replaced by machines. That's true. Maybe he's just now a famous actor. Not as famous as Calculon mm-hmm. or Langdon Cobb, who we'll, we've not met yet, but you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, there's also a note that says something about Langdon Cobb bags Oscar. Um, Ooh, and then there's, which is a nice it's, pun it's kind for of a later. Pun. Uh, and then there's something in Alienese that I don't know what it says, but I'm sure the Infosphere does, but I'm not looking it up because I'm lazy. All right. Um, then we get a paparazzo montage. We're back to the montages. Back to the montages. That's what the podcast should have been named. I mean, if we had realized there were so many montages. There are so many montages. I am shocked at how many montages there are. Uh, So the interesting thing about the paparazzo montage is that all of these really scandalous sort of images are all things that are created by Bender. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a Selena GoBot wardrobe malfunction Mm -hmm. where he uses a magnet to magnet off the top of her chassis. At Elzar's, he kind of just creates this Rube Goldberg of events to get exactly the picture he wants. Yeah, like he puts someone else's, uh, some lady's head in a jar, in Nixon's jar, and changes it to Vixen, Mm -hmm. and then pushes it into Zap, and then uh, the head is in Zap's lap, and the title says, uh, Zap Brannigan caught in Lunch Nest. I like Love Nest. I Lunch don't nest. think it's as successful as Bags Oscar. No, but I will tell you this. Okay. I'll tell you what. When, so, <laughs> a thing that I 
love doing for some stupid reason is any song that uses the word love, replace it with lunch. Sure. And it is kind of amazing. Okay. Now, now remembering that you like to do that, it, it is added to this. Uh, see, I, I loved the pun because I'm like, yeah, they're playing into, into exactly my sort of humor. Uh, because, because girls just want to have, wait, wait, no, that's the actual song. <laughs> wait, 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 which one? No, girl is girls just want to have fun. I, I went to the weird out um, version. I have become a caricature of myself. Cool. You nailed it. <laughs> I need a moment. Um, but like, uh, um, what's lunch got to do with it? Sure. Mm hmm. Like it's you know it's good stuff. And I will always lunch you. Mm-hmm. See, like, just do that for literally every song that has the word lunch in it. I mean, love in it. <laughs> and we both become characters of ourselves. Pick any song with with the word love in it, and it works pretty well. And now I can't think of any song. My titles. favorite one is um, when we're hungry, lunch will keep us alive. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, yeah, that's the point of lunch, my dude. Yeah, whole lot of lunch. Um, I'm all out of lunch. I'm so lost without food. <laughs> See, it's great. It's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just yep. Think about it. You'll get more of them, and then one to- day you'll hear a song on the radio, and they'll be singing about love, and then you'll think about me saying lunch instead, and then you'll laugh. Uh huh. Tweet your best ones at Back to Futurama. And then there's also a Parts Hilton sex tape, which I uh, almost, I was like, Paris Hilton, there's no pun in, and then I reread Parts Hilton, where he literally has a bed that he is tied (laughs) to, and then walks up behind Parts Hilton and takes the picture, and so he is- He takes a selfie. He is fabricating all of these images. After this montage, he goes back to Planet Express- and announces, I'm back, Crab Dip, which is a gr- I love that name for Zoidberg. Such a great name. Um, Zoidberg is watching a documentary about the greatest actor in the world, Langdon Cobb. And uh, the, the weird thing about this actor is that he has a paper bag over his head at all times. He has no interest of being admired for his appearance or personal life, and no one has ever seen him under the bag. And so we get a, a brief um, uh, array of clips from different movies like Baghead, and, which is a Braveheart mm. sort of movie, and The Greatest Bag on Earth. It's very, very goofy. Where they take a bag off of his head and underneath it is the normal bag. and <laughs> It's weird. I It's very weird. Um but yeah, he just no one He's has just ever so good at acting. No one has ever seen him without the bag. So Bender just kind of takes the goal of getting a picture of Langdon without the bag and just kind of decides this is what he's going to do. Yeah, just he he's like this is going to be uh TV gave me this great idea and so now I'm going to go do that. Um he takes it this idea to uh the managing editor and he says it's an impossible it's impossible to get a picture of Langdon like that. There's a 50-foot force field around his house. Smash cut to Bender buying a 60-foot ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good bit. Very good. Very Just A+. Plus. Loved it. I was at a They Might Be Giants show one time, and there was this uh, divider through half of the 
uh, floor. Yeah. That one side was for the 21 and over to like, you know, buy alcohol and whatnot. Sure. And then the other side was for um, the non-alcoholic side. And uh, they were like, you know, we've got a saying here. They might be giants. 10 foot wall, 11 foot ladder. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like that. Sticking it to the man. You guys keep on rocking. <laughs> In the free world. Bender uses his 60 foot ladder to climb over the force field. Mm-hmm. There's an attack fungus that chases him, but he's able to escape into the house. And so he manages to get into Langdon's private study. Mm-hmm. He is he is literally hiding in uh, uh, the fireplace, which I will point out is a little bit of a weird plot hole because he definitely uses film. Yep. And uh, yeah, that film. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's not think... It's going to melt. I mean, Bender has also melted before. You ever leave a VHS in a real hot car? I have not, no. Neither have I, but I was at a Blockbuster once, (laughs) and they had taken one somebody left in a car and put it up on the wall as a sort of, like, shame moment to be like, remember to take your tapes out of the car. Mm -hmm. It didn't look pretty. No, I can imagine it wouldn't be. I do like the fact that Langdon gets some brandy from his butler and says... I'm going to enjoy the rest of the night without the bag. That will be all. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes very apparent that even like his butler hasn't ever seen him without the bag. Mm -hmm. And knowing later uh, plot points, it's very apparent nobody has seen this person under the bag. Bender manages to hop out of the uh, fireplace and snap a picture. And uh, he is the first person ever to get a picture of Langdon cob without the bag on his head langdon implores bender to destroy the picture because there will be terrible consequences if anyone sees it and offers to pay benders as much as he wants bender makes a promise to never show anybody and then uh he goes back to planet express and immediately shows fry like without a break and the moment fry takes a look at this pic uh green lasers shoot out of his eyes and mouth and then he uh melts he He, deflates yeah yeah into what i call a flesh sack cool and also i never want to hear that phrase again (laughs) well too bad um that being said this visual is like a hundred percent terrifying to me it yeah it's It's, pretty wild it is there is no no warning to this it just (laughs) it's true there really is no warning (laughs) it's not like watch out some weird Crap is about to happen. Don't don't show that picture to anybody or else people will literally deflate. Yeah. Like, th- thanks, Langdon. There will be terrible consequences. What consequences? People deflating into flesh sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have said that. Literally give me more information. So, so yeah, <laughs> Fry's now a flesh sack. Cool. So, <laughs> uh, he's like, hmm, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I showed the picture to Fry and then he deflated. Um... This is when Bender becomes a scientist. Uh-huh. Because he's like, oh, that's, that might just be a coincidence. And then Amy comes in and uh, he's like, hey, Amy, check out this picture. And then the same exact thing happens to her. Mm-hmm. And he says... Um, the evidence is mounting. But, you know, two times hardly establishes a pattern. Hmm. And so... Um, I guess. He's like, if I just had a little bit more data. And then Hermes comes in. 
And he's like, what happened to those two? He's like, I showed him this picture. <laughs> and then Hermes Which is, true. is very true. And then Hermes also deflates. And he's like, well, I think that settles it. Hey, Zoidberg, come look at this picture. <laughs> this picture of Langdon Cobb. And Zoidberg's so excited to see this picture of Langdon Cobb that he slowly gets his eyeglasses out because he wants to see it as clearly as possible. And this is when the professor takes the picture and tears it up. The professor has seen something like this before. Langdon Cobb is a... Um, a quantum lichen people from Brioria 6. They are attention parasites that feed on the admiration of their prey. Just like the noble buffalo. Nothing like a buffalo! I do want to know where Leela gets that <laughs> idea um, about buffalo. She's never been to Yellowstone. Uh, yeah, buffaloes don't really care. They Yeah, buffaloes just, just kind of exist. Uh-huh. They're big and they eat things and they don't eat your soul if you look at them. So That's why th- you, they are allowed without bags on their heads. Mm-hmm. Now Clearly. the professor argues it's not a soul, it's a life force. <laughs> oh, that's right. This isn't this isn't some religious mumbo jumbo. <laughs> it's science. It's science. <laughs> life force, not soul. At one point he does slip up and call it a soul. He's like, life force, whatever. Uh so he explains that um like a like normal earth lichen it has both a physical form which is the id mm-hmm. an algae based id and then it's got an ego um, the, and it's fungus based and uh but unlike earth based lichen uh they are connected uh by quantum entanglement so yes. they can be separated and be anywhere. Which this leads the professor to immediately give up. I mean, you know, if if you were like, hey, where are my car keys? Uh, they could be literally anywhere on this planet or other planets or somewhere in between or in other galaxies. I'd be like, cool, good luck with that. I'm not helping you because I'm sure. giving up before it, it even starts. I, I feel like if my car keys are in a different galaxy i've gotten myself all confused Uh uh-huh but you're the one who came to me and was like they could even be in another galaxy they could be in the andromeda galaxy it's our closest galaxy it's true they could be this big galaxy they could be on indoor people before people tweet at me angrily yes this this is what we want to uh confirm it's the closest major galaxy to us all right yeah before take that twitter nerds (laughs) we know ben knows something about space get off his junk anyways so this is when bender reveals i feel like i've been chased by a mushroom recently yeah so they feel that uh probably what uh what the uh uh ego is is that weird fungus dog guard dog yeah thing uh Leela starts heading down saying well, it'll just be it'll be just as easy as stomping a puppy she j- this is the second time she's just really R- really stomp pro, ready pro puppy stomping just stomping we hear it back to the futurama are anti-puppy stomping absolutely right what Leela is about to do is not sanctioned by us we also find out that there is a world championship acting competition tonight. Calculon versus Langdon Cobb. They need to weaken the uh, the ego because it's subduing an actor's ego is not easy. 
if Calculon wins, it'll hurt Langdon's ego. So they fly off to Hollywood and attempt to help Calculon do the absolute best he can to beat Langdon Cobb. Uh, Calculon initially tells Bender that he hates him, but then he hates Langdon Cobb more. And so Calculon is going to perform Romeo and Juliet. Um, I believe Bender calls it Rome-O and Julie T, which is amazing to me. Uh-huh. I really, I really like that. It's such a weird, dumb joke, and I love it. Uh, and so Leela hands Calculon the fake poison, uh, which is, you know, just a little water and food coloring. It just so happens that food coloring is the most poisonous thing you can give a robot. <laughs> which seems bizarre. It's... Uh-huh. I feel like I've seen Bender eat food coloring before. I mean, he's eaten like... He's eaten a lot of things, man. He's eaten like baked goods. Yeah. That, that usually has food coloring in it, like it, frostings it and whatnot. Maybe once it's in a non-liquid form, it's okay. I don't know. Either way... I smell plot holes in this random decision to make robots allergic, deathly allergic to food coloring. Well, maybe it, because Calculon is so old... Maybe it's an older poison. Okay. And they fixed it later because Bender's much younger. Okay. That being said, Leela offers to go get it, get harmless battery acid instead. And Calculon's like, no, actually, it'll be the greatest acting of all time if I drink the real poison. Uh, Bender's like, don't do that. You, you, can't, you can't kill yourself. Calculon's like, I'm a celebrity. I can kill anyone I want. Uh-huh. A Which little, is a little too real. So. A little too real, but it's kind of funny considering he's, I mean, not funny. It's peculiar. So uh, they go out to the match. I do really like how it starts out with a coin flip, mm-hmm. but the coin, instead of heads or tails, yes. is comedy or tragedy. It's very good. <laughs> uh, Calculon calls uh, comedy, uh, but it comes up tragedy. Mm-hmm. Now, does that just determine who goes first, or does it also determine what kind of monologue they're going to give? I mean, they both give tragedy. It's uh, true. Tragic monologues. So is it both? Well, he, I think he only prepared uh, Romeo and Julie T. That's so. true. So maybe it's you have to do a tragic one, but this is just to, to figure out who goes first. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it is. Okay. You know, in, in football, you don't... Uh, flip the coin and if it comes up heads you uh suddenly have to head the ball and if it comes up tails you have to hit it with your butt that's not how football works at least to the best of my knowledge i've been watching football wrong (laughs) Cobb does a scene from beantown buddies (laughs) you know the famous one he's doing a monologue about uh, uh he's dressed as a cop and he is uh, giving a monologue about his partner who has died, mm-hmm. and he's just doing this over-the-top Boston accent. Oh, it's it's wild. It it's some wild stuff. Yeah. Um, I will point out that Leela and Bender are at the competition, while Zoidberg and the professor are under uh, uh, undercover, staring at the uh, the ego. It is growing a little bit as it is getting as Langdon Cobb is getting adoration from the the audience mm-hmm. during his uh monologue from being town buddies mm-hmm. uh w- and when he's finished with that scene he gets uh, a very teary-eyed applause from the audience and 
And the MC says, I don't know how anyone would want to follow that. Now to follow that, Calculon. You know, I know that feeling because I go to karaoke with my girlfriend and Mm -hmm. she is very good at singing and I am not. So like sometimes I'm like, cool, I get to follow that. I understand that all too well. That's fair. And that's not even at the World Acting Championship. That's just in front of a bunch of drunk people. Exactly. Think about if it if this was the one that was going to win you the championship. That good old dive bar karaoke championship. That should actually be a thing. I do a pretty mean rendition of I'd do anything for love. Lunch, you mean. And I would do anything for lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can keep me hanging. I'd run right into hell and back. Bow, bow. And I would do anything for lunch. I'd never lie to you and that's a fact. <laughs> I can't sing anymore or else I'm going to get sued by Mr. Loaf. <laughs> yes, we're already sued by Mr. Loaf. <laughs> this is the I future we have. I don't really want... We can call that fair use. I don't really want to you, go you down. You were writing a parody version the, of I can do anything for lunch, but not that. I don't really want to go down in the history books as the court case back to the Futurama v. Loaf. <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. Thank you. I don't know. I think it's amazing. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and i never do it better than i do it with you so long (laughs) anyways um cool now we're gonna get sued so anyways if you're a lawyer please tweet that back to futurama especially if you do pro bono work for stupid podcasts um i imagine if they're listening to this podcast they do pro bono work for stupid podcasts They've just been waiting. It's like, these dummies are going to do something that they're going to get sued over. Calculon uh, actually does a really good performance. Um, Yeah, it's uh, restrained, Mm -hmm. but passionate. And I find it, I found it very, very well done. Yeah, absolutely. It's a a good performance of uh, the death scene from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I felt some some things. And then... Emotions, even. Sure enough, he drinks the poison and dies and... Uh, at that point, Langdon Cobb is like, hey, that actually was like pretty believable. And everyone in the audience is getting real emotional. Mm-hmm. And that worries Langdon Cobb. And so his ego outside starts to dwindle a little bit. And so the professor is like, all right, great. Now it's ready to be killed. Let me just start up this. Uh, he has some sort of weapon. I don't he has, uh, he it. activates the antifungal ray. Fortunately, it needs to charge for 15 minutes. Uh-huh. So that doesn't work out too well. Because the ego wakes up and notices them. And uh, so this short window to take out the ego is brought to a close when Langdon Cobb ends up winning the championship. Uh, Calculon, it, for the rest of the episode, is motionless on stage. Uh-huh. They oh, yeah. do not move him. No no one goes and does anything to him. He's just there. And at that point, the ego bursts into the auditorium. Uh, the professor and Zoyberg are just being in, in its clutches. Um, and this is when the ego just kind of like acts like a puppy and goes and licks Langdon. 
this is when Bender wants to start taking some pictures. And uh, so at, at this point, Bender gets the idea that when living creatures see the photo, their life force gets sucked out, and Langdon Cobb is uh, a living creature. W- Bender's onto something, so that he his plan is now just show Langdon a picture of himself, and then he'll, his life force will go. But the professor points out that everyone knows that once a photo is deleted, it's gone forever, and he ripped up the photo. Yeah, because because once you delete a digital photo, you don't have any more. Mm-hmm. Except Bender still has the negatives. And so he goes back into his chest compartment to develop a new photo. And he's being real picky about yeah. the, the specific develop uh, uh, developing of this mm-hmm. photo. At one point, it's the contrast isn't quite right. So he does it again. Mm-hmm. And then it's pretty good, but he knows he can do better, right. so he gives another shot. Um, this is when Leela is grabbed by the ego, and uh, Langdon it's like, why are you attacking my ego? And um, I don't remember what they respond with. Basically, that. because they've killed the, the life force of Fry, Amy, and Hermes is gone. Langdon Cobb starts going on about like the whole the process of acting. Uh, kill and, me now. Uh-huh. They're they're just like, oh, just just kill us. If you kill me, will you stop talking about the process? Never. And so he finishes his little monologue and then he takes his bag off, and then uh they all have their life force sucked out of them. Uh this is when Bender finally comes out of the dark room with the picture and shows Langdon. Langdon says, it doesn't work that way, you idiot. I do like how Bender pops out and he's like, I'll save you, Professor Leela and Zoidberg. And then he sees their, uh, what did you call them? Flesh, Flesh sacks. sacks uh, sort of floating down to the ground. And he's like, oops. Oh, well. And then, he, <laughs> you know, he still still tries. Yeah. Um, um, so it doesn't work. But Langdon does enjoy just how wonderful the picture is. The composition is fantastic. And the contrast is impeccable. And this, uh, this causes his ego to just expand and expand and expand. And then all of a sudden it explodes and all the life forces that it has consumed burst out of it and go back into the bodies. Uh, Fry comes to is like, what happened? Did you save us, Leela? I do. We also did j- ignore the whole point that they're, uh, Fry, Amy and, uh, Hermes. Oh yeah. Are, they're quote-unquote flesh sacks are hanging on coat hangers in like on a uh one of those mobile like wardrobes right and um it is very off-putting to see that oh very much there's Uh a lot of off-putting stuff here yeah we just kind of glossed over all that because i didn't want to think about it again (laughs) to be honest this coming from the guy who coined the phrase flesh sack i had no better way to describe it would it be better as a flesh husk? Yes, I think. Okay. Well, you know what? Too we've little, all ma- too little, too late. We've all made mistakes here today. <laughs> so, yes, uh, the the they all get their life forces back, and then um, Fry's like, "Did you save us, Leela?" She says, "For once, it was Bender." Fry's like, "Well, thank you for whatever you did, because nobody knows, because they were all." In the ego. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bender decides to celebrate by taking a big group selfie. He says, everyone say, Bender is great. And then he takes the photo, and then it 
the the credits start over the photo, which is just it's a close up on Bender. Yeah. And Bender says, neat. And that means it is time for Grades. Uh, so I think <laughs> always good when you start grades with a uh uh-huh. So I think this episode is mediocre. Okay. Um there are the there are the occasional Futurama episodes where clearly they they had come up with some sort of main idea mm-hmm. and I just don't feel like they really explore it as much as they could or okay. is just sort of like okay well let's come up with the the idea uh this actor wears a bag on his head because he sucks out souls uh or life forces or whatever or whatever yeah and then let's go with that and i'm like okay and and it's just sort of like there mhm so you know i mean it's I do like uh, some of the jokes. Okay. And I do actually really like seeing Calculon really acting well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sort of weird that we just leave on his dead body being like there. Yeah. That's never resolved. It's just kind of a weird episode and I don't really think it does it for me. But okay. there's not there's not any specific thing that is... Um, there's not really any specific thing that is it like I can really pinpoint as to like they need to fix this. Right. Like a glaring negative. Right. But overall, I just eh, I think it's sort of uh forgettable. Um I would give it a C minus. Okay. I remember watching this one before um the podcast, of course. Uh but before the watching for the podcast, I've seen it before and it kind of gave me that kind of like feeling that i didn't like the episode but i'm pretty sure it's just because of the the life force draining image which is terrifying flesh husk (laughs) flesh sack excuse me sir um that being said with those that kind of horror element out of there i do think this is actually a pretty good episode i think this if you drop this in probably last season on fox this would probably fit i think it's it's funny i think it's interesting it says it says some in it it doesn't go as far to say interesting things about paparazzo um because it's just kind of like bender's great at it because he's a jerk he's a scumbag yeah but i think it's funny it it hits all the right notes and it it feels just like a romp through through futurama that just it's it's enjoyable to me i don't I, i don't for the same reason that you can't put glaring negatives i can't put glaring positives i just enjoyed it it was a it was funny it was fun it was interesting to see you know characters that don't hang out a whole lot working together so i i don't know i i don't think it i i don't think it's great i don't think it's like to the same level as devil's hands or idle play things or anything but you know i think uh i think it's probably a a solid b to me okay I rather it. rather divisive and nebulous episode apparently it is, it is it's it's <laughs> That being said, I think we can both agree that the image of somebody's uh, life force getting sucked out of their body is horrifying. I've seen way worse. I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm desensitized to it. I watch a lot of weird stuff. I I think it's just the without the warning, man. It's just like, whoa, 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 what is happening on this episode? 
Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't okay. actually really phase Fair me. Fair enough. We are two different people. <laughs> Very clearly. Uh, we want to know what you think of this episode and about the sudden uh, uh, flesh bagging of... Okay, I take it back. Maybe you can't verb everything. <laughs> we want to know what you think about this episode and if... The very sudden um, removal of life force from various Futurama characters is disturbing, or if you're just desensitized to it like I am. <laughs> or what about James Franco's chances in next year's <laughs> World Acting Championships? Um, I got to pick a better uh, franchise next year, man. I mean, you don't want to be look like a Fairweather fan. So, uh, yeah, we want to know about all of this and more. Um, what's your favorite song? with the word love in it that you change yes. to lunch that is Please something let us know. we definitely do want to know let us know that we're idiots because we kind of went off the rails on this one we knew that but yeah just tell us again so yeah you can let us know all these things and more various ways to do that you can email us at back to the futurama podcast at gmail.com you can tweet at us at back to futurama you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash back to futurama we are on spotify and apple Podcasts, so find us there rate us review subscribe and you know what let's all go to the championship together and don't forget about uh the fan group uh, oh, yeah. created by our own fan laura who is awesome and she created the group of her own volition based on a silly joke we made about ghosts named jeremy <laughs> and the league of such um you can Join find that it. it's fun at league of jeremy's um if you need a link you can find that on back to the futurama.net along all with these links and more and more uh and i think that's gonna do it i think i think, we, I think we've done enough i th- uh-huh i think so Let's get out of here before we do even more damage and end up uh, sucking someone's life force out of them. Out of their ears, though. It's different. And And legally distinct based on the fact that we're already being sued by Mr. Loaf. Oh, yeah. If you're a lawyer for Meatloaf or our Meatloaf yourself, please uh, don't sue me. Anyways, (laughs) um, until next time, uh, assuming we don't get taken for everything... I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye Goodbye from from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow.